make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. But come on now, the feels are making it happen now. Stand up now, come on and shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say you will. Shout it right now, baby. Say Come on, come on. Come on and shout. Yeah. Buffalo's happening now. We're on the moon now. The fields are happening now. They're making it happen now. We got the spirit. A lot of spirit, yeah. We got the spirit. Just watch it happen now. Folks, welcome in to a new edition of the Crowd Assist Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Masseri, here with Mike Bunt, Matt Wesson. Um, glad to have Matt Wesson on. Actually, usually our normal Texans um, uh, sponsored co-host that we have on here all the time to talk Texans. Um, obviously, as we know, the Bills are not playing the Texans, but Matt is also a very good guru at breaking down quarterback play. He's been watching Allen since the draft. Um, so we're, you know, obviously has some stuff on Mahomes for us as well. Um, so we're very excited to have Matt on. Matt, how you feeling today? I'm doing great today. I'm excited to talk about real football after you know covering uh, 17 games of Texans football. That's right. We're effectively over after Tyrod Taylor popped his hamstring against Cleveland. So this is vacation to me. It's like all the all the Texans watching has led up to be able to watch real good, enjoyable football instead of the the slog this season was you know, for the Houston Texans. <laughs> I could only imagine. Um, I mean, no interest then. We'll start right there. No interest in Dable or Leslie Frazier, you think? From yeah. the Texans? For like the coaching stuff for the Texans this year, like last year, whenever we thought, you know, Sean Watson's be quarterback in Houston for a long period of time. Like there, like you have like an idea of what you're going to build your team around where like I want to either be enemy or Dable last year because Dable runs a really quarterback heavy offense and the enemy has been able to, you know, orchestrate a very great spread attack with Kansas City. Like this year, it's like there's not a level of talent or cornerstone players or anybody really kind of build around for the future. I think Tyus Howard's like the only guy who we'll probably see here for like the next five, you know, years or so as far as building their future left tackle there. But it's like it's hard to get really excited about one can there or the other, just if you don't have like mainstay talent on the roster at all. And so they decide to try to find someone that can kind of grow the team with. So I don't really like super care about who they end up hiring just because it's hard to really have like a good feel for it just because of the lack of talent on the roster in general, like getting good players is what matters this year. Not necessarily who they hire as the head coach. That's true. That's interesting. If they go with Flores, if that, that Watson connection or what's going to happen down there, Matt, will keep, keep us posted um, out of the AFC South. A lot to talk about here today. AFC South being one of them um, here later in the show, maybe with the bills Titans uh, rematch to come. Obviously, we have Matt on today. I will say I believe the Texans probably are my favorite team out of the AFC South. So best of luck down there um, in that division. Uh, certainly don't like Jags fans up here um, since our connection <laughs> in the playoffs many years ago. The Houston game that these teams just recently, semi-recently played in the playoffs. It wasn't that long ago, really, um, where it was actually a really good football game. We had this the random ref jump come on the field from you know changing the call, which – was the wrong call, but I'm glad they didn't call it a touchdown on that weird, like, whatever. 
whatever your returner was at that point, not kneeling, like just yeah, throwing yeah. The forward, like really bizarre play. Shouldn't have been a touchdown in theory, but just like there's the weirdest thing ever. But then you have this ref coming on the field from nowhere. Like um, it was, it was a weird connection there with the Texans. Um, but, you know, obviously, unfortunately, Matt, teams have gone in different directions since that, literally since that point. Um, the Bills continue to rise. The Texans have had their issues going forward. But, um, you know, now the Colts kind of came up um, and they're around here, too. And they've kind of put a beating on the Bills. And one of those crazy weather games earlier this year, back when the Bills are kind of slumping a little bit. Um, and in that crazy Titans game as well, where, you know, many arguments around if Josh Allen slipped or not on fourth and inches um, from the two yard line. So. I believe he did. I don't think Justin Simmons makes that. He made a great play. I don't think he brings down Josh Allen with one arm. Um, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll never know. Maybe next week we'll find a little bit more out. Yeah, I think he slipped. Yeah. I think, and so like, I, I know personally I'm rooting for a, a Titans Bills, you know, AFC Championship game. I think like after watching the video and thinking about looking at the numbers and stuff, I think that's what we're going to end up seeing as well, too, just based off how this matchup looks for Buffalo this weekend. And the way the Bills are playing, then also the way the matchup looks for the Titans and the Bengals and their game they have on, on Saturday at 3.30. Yeah, we'll start there, too. I want to start with a quickly, like, how lucky were there, was their path? Like, the Chiefs and the Bills should be the AFC Championship game, I think. Like, I think they're the two best teams in the AFC. Um, but the Titans get the bye. Um, so they don't have to worry. Not that there was much resistance from the um, wildcard teams this season. It was pretty top four heavy, if you want to call it that. But the Titans do get the easier matchup now. They did get the bye, and they do get the home game next week, whether it's against the Bills or the Chiefs. Um, so they 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 locked into a nice path there without Derrick Henry. Is that? Do you think that that's luck? Do you think that they just? I know you've mentioned off air that they do something right for them. Um, I mean, you cover the division, so. Like, let's start there because that game's first, obviously, with the with the Bengals going into Tennessee. Obviously, I think you you have the Titans winning that, but do you think that that's lucky where they are today? Like, that they, they got out of the AFC as the one seed. They do have that path that's a lot easier than what the Bills or Chiefs have to deal with. Yeah, I think the biggest thing the Titans is that they had that weird week one loss to the Cardinals where, you know, Taylor Luan wasn't ready to play football yet, and Chandler Jones had, like, four sacks off the edge, and he was unblocked on, for some of them and forced those fumbles. And then immediately, you know, they turned it around with their big win against Seattle and went a little bit of a roll there. But during their roll, that was when they were fully healthy. I know Julio had some injuries here and there, but their defense was healthy. Henry was healthy. A.J. Brown was healthy during that run of time. And they just were, like, kind of cursed. You know, they lost Jack Rabbit Jenkins. They lost Henry. They lost A.J. Brown. They lost Julio Jones. They lost Luan for a little while. They lost Christian Fulton. They lost Bud Dupree. And they were just, you know, hurt for a long stretch of the time. And even despite that, though, they were still able to win these bizarre Tennessee Titans games, like being able to you know sweep the Colts um, and just winning like with close wins out of nowhere, uh, winning come with some fluke as well, too, and still being able to like derive wins from having a good pass rush, having a good front seven that stops the run, and then just being able to win with play action and hitting kind of some bizarre rant and hill throws. And so I don't think it was like they're a bad team at all. I think they were just one of the teams that were able to kind of ride those one possession wins right after the injuries. And it went and it went as perfectly as it could for them. They got big lead when they were healthy and they were able to hang on throughout injuries. The Titans, I mean, the Chiefs lost that big game to Cincinnati. The Bills had some losses in the middle part of the season that were unexpected, like losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars and losing to Indy like they did. Um, that overtime loss against Tampa was killer too. And so the Titans were able to hold on, survive, not having Derrick Henry. 
and then be able to lock up the one seed, which gave Henry the extra week of rest. And now the Titans are back to health. They're at full strength. And they're really kind of like a kind of like a, a very difficult team, I believe, for the Bengals have to play up against uh considering their strength and weaknesses too. Fair enough. And thanks, shout out to you, Ephraim. Thanks for coming back on one of our Let's Talk Jets guy. Um, we have a Jets um guy we really like, just like you, Matt, that comes on during the Jets weeks and uh loves to loves to talk Jets with us. Um so appreciate you. And he's one of his followers. So appreciate uh, appreciate you, Ephraim, from coming on, giving us the um the shout out there. But uh yeah, Matt, I mean, look. Let's be honest. The Texans played the Titans super well both times, and that's the last that I've really seen of the Titans. What did the Texans do right in those matchups, considering they've struggled all season? And we'll kind of end it there with the Titans, but they are a potential pretty heavily likelihood that that could be the AFC Championship game. So while we have you, what did the Titan are the Texans do right against the Titans in those games to really kind of make them look silly at times? Yeah, the, the first game they won against the Titans, it was because they forced, you know, I think it was five turnovers or four turnovers. I think it was five, though, in that game against them. I know Desmond King had two interceptions on his own. They lost A.J. Brown pretty early on in that game. Uh, Derrick Henry was hurt, too. And so after they lost Derrick Henry, I mean, not Derrick Henry, after they lost A.J. Brown, it was their third, fourth, fifth, and sixth pass catchers out there. And there was just miscommunication on routes where, you know, Tannehill thought they were running a dig. The guy ran a, a, a hook instead. And Let's interceptions and the weather got bad at times too. Um, and the Titans also just kind of ran a strange offense where they didn't run as much play action as you would typically expect. And they had a big goal line interception as well too, swung a bunch of points in the favor. And Tyra Taylor is able to run for two touchdowns in that game, that kind of weird, kind of sloppy game. In the the game, last game of the week against Houston, they went 21-0 in that game. And then the Texans down 21-0 kind of found like a actual offense where Instead of running the ball in first and second down and getting stuck in the third and long situations, they put Davis Mills in more empty uh, passing situations where there's five wide receivers and they pass protected well throughout that game for Houston. And like he found Danny Amendola a lot, which was really kind of absurd to watch where Amendola had like seven catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns and was able to kind of run some like really like slippery, like unusual routes. Like he would like run like a pivot route and just like break it up field wide open and things that I think were unexpected for the Titans. I think two of them being up 21-0 and the whole like stadium left the the whole crowd left the stadium. Um, I think they didn't really rush the pass for as hard at times and kind of left the gas as well to allow Houston kind of come back to. But they were able to run the ball well to clinch it and had a really good red zone offense in that game. So I think it was like there were two entirely different Texans teams in those. And then the first one definitely was because of turnovers. And the second was just Houston kind of switching up to an empty uh, spread passing attack they haven't run all year that really took the tight ends, you know. Um, kind of out of whack in that second half of that game. Fair enough. And the Bills really are rooting against the Titans, unfortunately, as much as I want redemption and I want to bury that franchise. Um, <laughs> I think both the Chiefs and the Bills would probably agree that the Bengals' path is better. Both teams would have a home game in that instance. So Saturday afternoon, I believe probably both fan bases, um, as well with the Bengals fan base, would be rooting for the Bengals uh, to make the AFC Championship game. Um, so that the Bills can play, as we've seen on our intro videos, can play that in front of their home fans. Um, and that's that's what the expectation is. But we really appreciate your AFC South knowledge. And we got to turn our attention, though, to the current foe and probably the other best team in the AFC, 
let's leave the Titans out for a minute, that Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, who have found their defensive way, most importantly, struggled early on against the Steelers in the first quarter, lighting up that that fumble six, um, and you know just really struggled in that first quarter. They struggled against the Bills week five. The biggest thing there, they'll tell you out of there, is they played too much Daniel Sorensen. Still see a lot of pass snaps out of Sorensen, though. Um, so we don't know that we can totally rule that out, as well as, you know, they just feel like they're just that much better. We had that report today of Willie Gay and whatever happened there with the vacuum cleaner. Um, so as of right now, he didn't practice today, but I, I don't I don't know how that what that, what's going to happen there. He's their most athletic and physical linebacker. That could be a big deal. He was just coming off of injury in week five, did play in that game, but their linebacking core is the weakness to me of this Chiefs defense. Um, so Matt, go and bounce it to you here. Um, break down Patrick Mahomes lately in your opinion. Like, what are we seeing from him? Is he taking those underneath throws um, like he should be? Teams are taken away, you know, still taking it away in the deep cover too. But what is your opinion of Patrick Mahomes right now? And have you seen enough since that Bengals game uh, where the team, you know, the defense didn't show up in that game? So let's start there. What do you see from Patrick Mahomes right now? And what do you think the Bills will have to do in this game to stop him? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes is still you know, really good. I think just, you know, it's not really like an X's and O's thing, like scheme at all with Mahomes this year, because it's the same like really great spread passing attack that creates open throws. I just think you know the Chiefs in general they've been off this year, and you just go back and you watch some of these throws that Mahomes missed. Um, he missed a couple of throws in that Steelers game too. Their pass rush was able to kind of get to him. Uh, Watt was able to you know, deflect that pass to the line of scrimmage, led to interception in the red zone. They had the the double fumble that you know Watt took back also, but and even like in the game the Bills went earlier this year too. Uh, I think Mahomes probably missed like four or five throws that he usually hits. And so I think in general, like his accuracy has been a little bit off. Um, I think teams have done a better job using, you know, two safeties deep, kind of like how Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl last year to be able to contain their deep passing game. And, you know, watching that first Bills matchup again this week, the Bills really did a great job, you know, jamming Kelsey at the line of scrimmage. And they, I think they gave like three holding penalties on him and one DPI. But they did a really great job jamming him and making sure he's a focal point of their linebackers, even without Matt Milano, to be able to muddy up his releases and prevent him to be able to just like run free crossing routes throughout the field. And then by playing with their safety play, they have two by being able to play like cover one robber and cover four and cover seven, they're able to kind of key him for a target kill and force him to run drags and those sort of things. And uh, employer had a great game in that one, being able to break on the drag route to Hill whenever he saw it too. And they ran, they ran a lot of man match defenses in that matchup. I just think the biggest thing with um, the Chiefs is I, I think their offensive line investment hasn't worked out like they expected to. Orlando Brown, I think, is probably the most overrated offensive football offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, if pro football focus had some negative numbers for him, that narrative, I think, would be pushed out a lot more. He's just pretty slow in the run game. He's slow in the pass game. He's big and strong. He's hard to get around. But you can beat him with a lot of you know, kind of like deep edge rushes. And with Mahomes taking you know eight-step dropbacks and that sort of thing, it really does open the door for – those rushes off the left edge of the defense. And then also with losing Yang to injured reserve, they have Andrew Wiley back out there at right tackle. And that's been forcing Travis Kelsey up to chip and he's on the line of scrimmage for a second or two. And that opens the door for more jamming and being able to, you know, hit him with a, a pillowcase full of soap, you know, at the at the line of scrimmage to force him to release very well, allowing again, like forcing him on the line of scrimmage longer. And Wiley has been very good as well. And so it opens the door for like a team with good edge rushers to be able to create you know, more havoc against Mahomes taking big, deep dropbacks. But it just seems like the whole, like, offense is off, even though they've been great this year. It just hasn't been the all-time great that we're accustomed to seeing the last two seasons. 
Now, you mentioned that they haven't been at that all-time level, but they're still scarier than almost any other team in the NFL, minus maybe uh, the Bills, the Bengals, some of the other uh, top offenses in the league. What do you expect from them this Sunday, and how much will the Bills missing Trey White play a role in what we see from the Chiefs in this game? Yeah, with Wyatt, they ran him a lot of like mag tags and um, and playing as the covering the X receiver and one versus one matchups. The Chiefs like to play a lot of trips situations, and so he'd be on the backside of the formation, like locking down like whatever the individual receiver was in front of him, and whether that was Kelsey or you know Hardman or Hill, um, it didn't really matter. Like Hill typically was that guy, and so they were able to create a lot of one versus one matchups for it, and so it just kind of makes it you know the next man up sort of thing where now you have Wallace that situation instead. Um, and it just makes it, you know, a lot more difficult in that regard to be able to play that same game that they play in their first matchup together. Do you think without White, the Bills' defense will be able to contain uh, Mahomes, or do you think it's going to be a long day for the Bills' defense? I, I mean, I think it really kind of just comes down to turnovers, like that first game, too, where they forced four turnovers and they had zero on their end. Uh, but the you know, Bills have such a good safety tandem that, like, even without, like, incredible quarterback play, like from White, um, and they're able to kind of like pseudo, you know, double team Tyree. I mean, Tyree kill every single play, even if it's not like a true bracket, they're always having somebody there to be able to kind of key in on those like post routes he runs and those inward breaking routes too. And that way they can get kind of one versus one matchups on the outside where like, as long as Wallace's thing is like, just don't get beat deep and uh, make sure you're in the vicinity, make tackles. I think they should be able to live like that. And also have Milano back too, that will help out with some of the interior. I mean, with some of the short hook coverages too. With them, and so I mean, really, it's just about forcing turnovers and being able to create a pass rush on the exterior. Um, I like Rousseau a lot. I think Rousseau could have a good game, especially with how long his arms are. And the Chiefs love to run those bubble screens and you know quick slants and RPO game. And Rousseau needs to have a good game, you know, using his arm and arms and length to be able to kind of flick passes there. I think Addison should have a really good game too. Um, and then it's just kind of like, and even like Hughes. I know Hughes doesn't produce a whole lot. He's still really fast. And whenever he's playing against the team with these deep dropbacks you know, he can outrun Wiley and be able to bend the edge pretty well. And so I think it really kind of comes down to their middle of their defense, like their edges, their linebackers, and their safeties with wiping out and some of the cornerback kind of problems that they're going to have to deal with from there. Yeah, and I mean, you look at it, and the secondary weapons I want to ask you about, Matt, like that's the thing that doesn't jump out to me where some teams have some secondary options beside their top pass catchers and Kelsey and obviously Hill, and they're good ones. They're top of the league. Um, but you've mentioned the the issues with Kelsey needing to stay in due to the two IR tackles that they have currently. Um, I mean, what's your opinion of their secondary options, third area, uh, tertiary options? Like you had Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringles, Miko Hardman's of the world. None of them scare you. So I do believe the Bills feel like they can contain that on the outside, and especially with their very solid slot corner as well. Um, what do you think of them? Like, do you think that that's one of their offensive downfalls that they really – teams like the Bills who can defensively scheme and have a good, you know, way to uh, one of the best pass defenses in the league, number one, actually. What is your opinion of that? Like, do you think those secondary options are going to be able to step up um, as these games get, you know, bigger and bigger? Or you think that's going to be the downfall? Because quite frankly, if you look at it on paper, the Bills go three, four, five deep at receiver, depending what you want to count there. And you look at the, at the Chiefs and you're looking at it from a Bills perspective, like they have one receiver. Like, so what's like, what's your opinion of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when, like I forgot to mention, like Taron Johnson too. The Chiefs don't yeah. just like run Tyreek Hill as like the X receiver, the outside receciver. They That's don't good. just like put Kelsey like as a tight end. 
They've put both of them in the slot too. And so Taron Johnson is going to be valuable just covering those slots because they love putting Hill there because he gives them the ability to run any route he wants. They love putting Kelsey there because he can run any route he wants. And how much they put Kelsey in the slot is going to be very interesting, you know, considering their issues of the tackle position right now. And you know, going back to like their third, fourth, and fifth pass catchers, Demarcus Robinson loves to drop the football. Like he gets open, but for whatever reason, he's had a ton of drops. I believe he's caught the ball better. You know, this year I don't have the numbers. I haven't looked up. You know, uh, Mark Robinson's drops. Like I don't have those memorized, unfortunately. And then Pringle's like very average. Hardman's, you know, a gadget. You know, screen pass receiver. Um, he doesn't run routes very well, but he's like good, at, like running screen passes and jet sweeps and those sort of things. And one of the things about the Chiefs that I think was, you know, really overlooked in their Super Bowl run was uh, Sammy Watkins was incredible that game. He had one versus one matchups, like I mentioned, when they run those trip sets. He had one versus one matchups on the by himself against the quarterback out there. I think he had like 10 catches that game and was able to consistently beat man coverage to create, you know, first downs, um, you know, throughout that one. It was really vital. And the Chiefs haven't had that third wide receiver, you know, since Watkins left. And they haven't made a priority at all in the draft or free agency. They just assumed that. Harmon or Pringle or Robinson would step up for him and do that. And it just has never come to fruition. They instead invest in their offensive line uh, to build out the rest of this team, you know, for the season. So I think that's kind of like one of the keys for is that you can draw even more attention to just Kelsey and, uh, and Hill against the Chiefs now because they don't have those third, fourth, and fifth pass catchers. But if it's a game that the Chiefs, you know, win, you know, score 42 points or something like that on, I think a big part of it is just, be, is just me because they've had a good game from those your secondary and tertiary receivers that they have. Now, moving it on from uh, the Bills' defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball, attacking the Chiefs, uh, a lot was said about how Kansas City was going to be one of the worst defenses in NFL history in the first five weeks of the season. But they've really steadied the ship and it ended up having a pretty solid defense uh, overall. Do they pose any threat to uh, the Bills' offense with guys like Chris Jones back in the lineup and some of the changes uh, that they made that Buffalo didn't have to go up against the first time? Or do you expect Josh Allen and company to kind of roll like they did uh, on Sunday night football earlier uh, this year? Yeah, I do think that this idea, like the Chiefs defense is like better down the stretch, I think has been kind of like overrated. I think a lot of it just is because of the opponents that they played. You know, like during, you, know, you go back to this win streak that they had and when their defense played well, they beat the Giants, who you know, have a bomb offense. They beat Kyle Love and the Packers. Uh, they beat Vegas 41-14. And the you know, Raiders are a team that's to run like a real balanced offense. And once you get them like, throwing the ball every single situation, you're able to take advantage of that like they did. And they had some you know, big turnovers as well, too. And that one, considering like, the infamous you know, Deshaun Jackson fumble. Uh, they beat Dallas. That was probably the most impressive you know, game that they had defensively, but they still forced three turnovers. They beat, they beat Drew Locke. They beat the Raiders again. Um, and they also like stopped the the Steelers and the Chargers are still able to score points on them too. And so I think a lot of it's just the opponent. You know, you compare that to the losses they had earlier in the year. It was a healthy Lamar Jackson. It was a full strength Buffalo team. It was a full strength Titans team. It was a full strength Chargers team. And it was just a different range of opponents too than what they saw like during their like infamous run um, down the stretch. And like I really think the biggest thing though for the Buffalo Bills offense is that the Chiefs offense has been sloppy this year. Like it's taken them like a few drives to get going. We saw that last week against the Steelers that they were scoreless for you know a good chunk of the first half, and they really kind of had a barrage after that once they overcame the turnovers. And the difference here with the Bills compared to the Steelers is that they have a top five offense that's functioning at the high of its powers. You hear down the stretch, and so if they do have a game where they come out slow and sloppy, and they have zero points on three turnovers, 
you know, they may be down 14-0, 17-0 at that point. I think it's kind of crucial for you know Buffalo, like any team, of course, to be able to come out and like, run like a really aggressive offense and take shots when they can. Um, they try to like get out in front or even put the Chiefs in a situation where they become one-dimensional early on in it. And uh, to add on top of that, uh, I, I like your point about going up against some of the quarterbacks. Maybe that's why uh, the defense performed better. I think you could say the same just with their overall record. Uh, you, you look at them, the three teams remaining in the AFC, the Chiefs are 0-3 against. Um, obviously, they're considered basically the favorites uh, to come out of the conference at this point. But do you think there's an overconfidence from uh, their fans and maybe the, the media uh, alike when they really, against the top teams in the league, uh, didn't perform that great against the AFC top teams? And even, like you said, against the NFC, they played Jordan Love when he was on the Packers. And Dallas, they only scored 19 points against. So uh, do you think maybe some of this is just maybe overhyping them based on past results when it's not really all deserved heading into this matchup? Yeah, I think it's past results and, like, the name and the team. And, you know, like, I like I really, like, enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes. But now watching, like, an NFL telecast with them has just become kind of, like, unbearable where there's a video of him as a child singing his like ABCs or seeing Christmas carols, you know, it's like only Patrick Mahomes gets that sort of level of coverage um, nowadays, but it's just, a lot of it too is you just look at the box score and you look at the, the, you know, the win, the win record down the stretch that is kind of typically how it's looked at. And it's like, it's the chiefs. They're really good. Like coming games in one a row, look at the points they allowed. But I do think the biggest difference is just the opponents is that the schedule is a lot easier in the second half of the season. They played their toughest part in the in the beginning half, and it did feel like earlier in the year too that these teams that the Chiefs had you know kind of conquered and dismantled oh you know the past two seasons they were getting their shots in you know with the with the with the Ravens winning the Bills winning the Titans winning and I guess you can even kind of say the same thing about the Bengals kind of picking up down the stretch and knocking them out of the one seed too so I think it's a bigger just more about the opponent and kind of the team name itself than their performance has been this season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you look down that roster and you definitely see some winnable matchups, Matt. And, you know, I want to continue to stay on the topic of the Chiefs defense um, and their cornerback play. Do you think their cornerback play has been better? Like, tell me about the we're focusing on the Bills pass offense right now. But because, look, we just mentioned on the last kind of segment that the Bills have five good pass catchers. You're trying to take away you know, whomever the Patriots couldn't get it done. Like, and, and, and they're one of the best defenses in the league, nor could a lot of teams, if the bills are humming, you know, you have Emmanuel Sanders that's, that's hidden there. You have um, obviously Gabriel Davis is a receiver that, you know, does certain things, right. You know, you have even Isaiah McKenzie in a role, beating man coverage, beating up slot corners um, in a role that he does. Right. And still, still Beasley can still get open in zones. So you have Beasley who, who can win in zones. You have Sanders who can win if man coverage. You also have McKenzie that can win on man coverage. You obviously have digs that, you know, whatever can, can go against the number one corners of any team. Um, you know, so you have winnable and then Gabriel Davis who they don't teams just don't have enough corners to cover him. And that's mm-hmm. why he's always open. Um, so like, what's your opinion on, are they going to be able to get it done with lackluster safety play? Like Juan Thornhill still played, like he was still on the field against the bills and still struggled. Um, so you play Juan Thornhill all you want. He's had a pretty good year per PFF, second, uh, 22nd ranked safety. And Tyron Matthews, a 40th ranked safety. But Daniel Sorensen's obviously 92 out of 94. Still played 800 snaps this year. So th- that safety play there, you know, you have a mixed match of Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton and, you know, DeAndre Baker at, at times, Mike Hughes, Traverius Ward, just a bunch of guys. Um, and last year they were able to kind of win against the Bills by holding 
I mean, straight up, that's what they said, and nothing was called. Josh Allen has the least amount of holding calls in the NFL. We don't know why at this stage in the secondary. So it's an interesting stat. Um, we call, saw it came, come to fruition against the Buccaneers in a non-call against Stephon Diggs in the end zone to win the game, and then a call against the Bills in overtime uh, against Levi Wallace. Um, though Diggs one was worse. So you know, we're wondering if it's a, this Josh Allen style that doesn't get him the calls because he's physical. You don't know if he's going to run, if, if the receiver's blocking. Like, we don't know. But the fact is Josh Allen statistically has gotten the least amount of holding and pass interference calls in the NFL um, per 100 pass attempts. So, so, Matt, with all that being said, what do the KC Chiefs have to do to stop those five weapons? And let's not forget one final point. Dawson Knox, who's been feasting right now this season, now, we mentioned already the winnable, I don't know what's going on with Willie Gay, the winnable matchup could be at the linebacker position for the Bills, not only in the passing game, but in the running game that's also getting going with Devin Singletary. Why have the Bills' offense been good lately? They can run the football, and they've ran it in the top four in the league since um, the new revamped offensive line, which all it was was putting in Rick Bates at guard <laughs> and moving Darryl, uh, keeping Darrell Williams at guard and not tackle. So all that combined, what do you say about the Chiefs' cornerback room and now having to cover Devin Singletary and Dawson Knox. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like it's ridiculous how many how much talent they have in that position. Um, you know, really, you're watching that Patriots game last week. The Patriots try to play cover one, you know, rat, and they would use that rat linebacker to spy Allen, but they just didn't have the ability to run with him at all. Like it was like Bentley falling on his face. It was Hightower getting crushed a lot. Um, Hightower like a really tough game going up against the Bills' power run attack that they started using. You know, you mentioning the the rushing attack that they have going on right now. I think part of it's the offensive line switch like you're talking about. But also they, they move from like an outside zone game to a power run game. And like I think Brian Dable just wanted to marry their run and pass attack to be able to you know, create more open bootlegs for Allen. But like Allen's so good and like he has so much speed on the outside that even if you're running play action off a power run attack, it still has been working out really well too. And so I think by switching up to that power run, um, offense that gets outside of the tackles has really helped out with that run offense too. But the Patriots couldn't play man coverage against Allen. Even if everything was covered, he would take off and run. Um, he did that throughout the game. He was you know really kind of unstoppable to the ground. And then whenever he did have a matchup individually, he was able to use his eyes to be able to hold safeties and create throws and come back across the field and hit guys wide open. And the Chiefs play like it's like watching Buffalo. Like they play a little bit of everything coverage wise. Um, it's like hard to watch the Chiefs secondary, kind of like how Buffalo secondary is, where they run some like man match and zone man match schemes that without having a playbook, it's kind of hard to discern you know, exactly how each piece fits in it. But the the Chiefs will play like a lot of like they love to rotate their safety, so they'll play like Tampa two and inverted Tampa two. They'll play cover four and cover seven. They'll switch to man coverage as well. Um, they do a good job like just being able to stay on top of their routes. And there is some miscommunication, like we saw earlier in the year in that Buffalo game. This kind of led to some you know, big plays too. But like comparing like individually the matchups they play man coverage, like Ward's fine, Fenton's fine. Um, their cornerback play, like they don't have like a lockdown true corner that can be able to play man coverage with Stefan Diggs. And then also if you're playing man coverage too, like what happened in the Patriots game, it just opens the door. Guys are running in coverage, and they don't have a linebacker who can spy Allen. You can't have Bolton do it. You can't have Gay do it, like you mentioned. You can't have Ben Nieman do it. And so I don't really think they're going to be a spot where they can play much man coverage against Buffalo you know, for those reasons. So instead, I expect they'll play like a lot of you know, two high safety sets. And Allen's really good against zone coverage because of his eye manipulation and how good the pass protection's been, where he'll 
you know, know where the throw is, but he'll just stare left for three seconds, knowing it's up on the backside and then switch back over and flick to it real fast. But it's a it's a Kansas City defense that usually has the worst run defense in football and like a top ten pass defense. And now it's a it's kind of switched this year where they have a below average pass defense and a below average run defense. And they're no longer like a real like daunting task to throw the ball up against anymore. And the one thing, if I was a Chiefs fan, that I'd be scared about is that I feel like this is the most complete Bills team that they've faced in the last two years. You just look at the progression of where Buffalo was and where they are now. The first time Mahomes played Allen, it's in an empty stadium, horrible weather. Mm -hmm. Allen struggles, just overmatched. Chiefs run the ball all over Buffalo. Second time AFC Championship last year. Cole Beasley's playing with a broken leg. Stephon Diggs was was hurt a little bit. Zach Moss, who was getting a boatload of the carries, hurt. And Dawson Knox wasn't nearly the player he, he is now. You go forward to earlier this year, obviously uh, the Bills at that time, very pass-heavy. Uh, offensive line was a bit of a problem, but they played well enough that game to get it done. But I feel like at this point in time, you have a Bills team that's firing on all cylinders. They finally appear to have an offensive line that's not only pass protecting, but they're also creating holes for Singletary. You you have a run game for Buffalo, which they were praying for all season. And then, like Kev mentioned, you have healthy Stephon Diggs. You got Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabe Davis. And then you add in Dawson Knox. I, I don't know if Kansas City or any defense when the Bills are on really have the pieces to to stop Buffalo. And I know Vegas probably wants everybody to go on the over um, with the 55 points, and CBS would love a shootout. But it, it really does feel like for the first time I'm going into this game thinking the Bills are even with Kansas City. I know the Buffalo won the last game, but this is the first time I feel like in the last two years where I, I entered a game thinking this game really truly could go either way. Yeah, I agree with that. And you're going to what I think the chiefs can be able to do defensively, you know, to hinder Buffalo in this game. I think it really kind of comes down to blitzing. You know, Allen has been great this year against pressure. He's had some problems against the blitz and blitzing is tough for Allen just because it really kind of contains him in the pocket. Whenever you have like five and six guys coming after you because you have a, a defender for every gap. And so it limits the ability for him to, you know, create rushing lanes in that regard. And compare, like, if you only have four guys rushing the pass, there's always an open gap available to you. But whenever you're blitzing five or six, it narrows it. And Allen just has that propensity to, like, run, come backwards to be, because he has the arm strength to be able to, you know, make throws downfield with it. And sometimes, like, it leads to incredible plays. Sometimes it leads to, you know, the stupid plays that we've seen over the years from him. But, like, if Allen blitz, I mean, I think Kansas is going to blitz a lot, and they're going to run a lot of zone blitzes and simulated pressures, especially on third down. And just try to use that to throw as many buys to him at him as possible. And like Allen's a great, piss, a great pa uh, quick passer and everything in that regard too. But for whatever reason, just the the blitz has had problems for him. And the Chiefs are a good blitzing team. Like they have all everybody in their secondary can blitz. Their linebackers can blitz well. They also have just really big defensive linemen too. They're good at using strength to create holes for other rushers coming through. Um, Chris Jones is especially great at that. And they also like Warren's been a good defensive tackle. And so I think they'll have problems in like a pure front four pass rush with who they have. Their edge rushers haven't been that good. Um, and like, you know, Jones are more been good in the interior. But uh, I think they're going to blitz like five, six, as many times as possible to be able to throw as many bodies and limit Allen's ability to run because they, I don't think they're going to be able to do that with their linebacker play or their coverage play at all in this game. 
Very interesting. Yeah, I tweeted earlier um, the matchup for the Bills against the pressure. Um, they're 29th in the NFL at sacks at, at 31. The blitz, they blitz 28.1% of the time and get the six most pressures from it. Um, so, you know, you're getting the pressures. The Bills are number one in pressure. So the Bills, Bills have been saying all season. The sacks finally came at the end of the year for the Bills. Um, and, and they continued a little bit in the playoffs with three of Mac Jones. Um, you know, so this, this, this idea of pressure is coming into fold here for the chiefs defense, 28.1% blitz percentage, Matt, what's the beater against blitz though? Like, so where, here's my question to you agreed. Why hasn't, you know, Bill Belichick or others defensive minds, they've stared away from blitzing Allen at times. Why? I guess it's just the, he's so good against pressure. And, yeah. and also, like, it's just hard whenever you have less bodies to be able to play, you know, zone oh, coverage yeah. against the number of, you know, wide receivers that they have. Though I think the beater, though, for the Bills against the Blitz is the flat. Like, Brian Dable has been a master at using the flat to create other open routes or even, like, using the hook to open up the flat. You know, McKenzie's been great in the flat. Singletary's been a great pass, pass catcher in the flat. Um, you know, Knox is great in the flat also. And then you have Diggs and, you know, Davis who are really good at running the slant routes too. And so I just think, like, the flat – area in general is probably where they're going to be able to have a you know, spot for be able to hit some quick shots um, against the blitz. And of course, like if you get digs one versus one man coverage, if you use trip sets, have him on the backside too, where he can run slants, where the chiefs just don't have a corner. who can like really you know, match up with them. I think Sneed's their best corner just because of his physicality. But he has some problems at the catch point as far as just like finding the football and just has problems with pen penalties in general. So I do think the flat though is kind of like their, their beater for whenever the chiefs do bring five and six and seven, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's interesting because also the Bills don't use a second tight end. They think it's absolutely pointless. From Brian Dable went away from <laughs> using Tommy Sweeney a second tight end, which they were just like, we're not, we're, I don't even want to use an active, they don't even use an active roster spot on a second tight end. Um, you know, just totally against what Jacksonville Jaguars have done, um, rostering every tight end in the league. The Bills just finally said, like, we have one. He's really good. He can block, he can catch. That's what we need. Um, if he gets hurt, we're not going to replace him anyways. Um, their backup tight end right now isn't who you'd think it would be. It is Tommy Doyle, their their reserve offensive <laughs> tackle who caught a touchdown in the playoffs. He's they they took the best thing that happened to the Bills in that in that win fifty five mile an hour Mac Jones three throw game. They copied the Patriots, and you're like, you know what? We knew they were running the ball, and the Bills actually did a better job against the run than people would believe. They were running a Navy offense, all right. The Bills did better against the run than people would believe outside of one. You can't take away a run. That's why they lost. But ultimately, Sean McDermott's going to say 90% of that game. They scored 14 points. Wasn't an issue. What did they do, though? They brought in the sixth offensive lineman. The Bills adjusted to it later in the season. But the Bills are now doing the same thing with Tommy Doyle in there and with Reggie Gilliam, a guy they didn't use earlier this year who's been one of the best flexible blockers in the league. He has sprung Singletary many times and you'll see him in this game, Matt. So that, that is, that is a counter that the bills will use. You know, we'll take a weapon off the field. If we have to, if you're going to blitz me, we're going to put Reggie Gilliam and we're going to run the ball into the blitz, or we're going to do other things to spring Singletary as we've seen. So is that a good counter in your opinion of what Brian Dable was able to do to switch to Tommy Doyle, taking a good weapon. The bills were like, we have all these weapons, but you know, if we could, if we couldn't get it to him, what's the point? So they finally said only three uh, at a time. We might bring in Gilliam. We might bring in Tommy Doyle. It, do you see that playing out this week or do they not have to do that? Go to that employment. Yeah, that's a great point. I don't think like Kansas city will blitz very much like on first and second down, but I think it'd be more for, you know, like third downs to try to get up the field, but going back to, you know, Gilliam as a, as a run blocker, you know, one of the things that has made the bills run off. And so you know, great down the stretch, of course, is Allen's ability as a runner. 
And like as we know, like when the quarterback's a runner, that just means that you have one extra guy to block in front of them. And so they'll run that power play where they have Morse pulling, they'll have a guard pull or a tackle yep. pull, and they'll have Gilliam pull as well too. And then you have a wide receiver in the outside blocking. So Al will run power with four, with four lead blockers in front of him. And those plays he's you know been excellent, excellent at. He's been able to run through your know, tackles out there, make jukes out in the open field. And the Chiefs, your know, run defense, their defensive tackle plays great against the run. On the edges, they're pretty soft. Their linebackers are slow. And this is a better linebacker group than they've had you know, the, the previous few seasons. You know, Anthony Hitchens was their best linebacker for that you know, loss to the Patriots, the Super Bowl win, the loss against the Bucks. And now they at least have like some young talent in that position who can you know, run, make some tackles too. But it still is it still isn't like a good, like a great front seven at all. It still isn't a good linebacker group. And so I do think, you know, they'll have success when they run their stretch run plays, when they run counter, when they run trap, when they run that quarterback power outside the tackle box. Um, and like Gillian, you know, like you mentioning, is a great open field blocker on this run plays. Certainly. And like, I think one of the biggest things for me right now is the last question about the Chiefs defense here is there, def you, you talked about, we've talked about pretty much everything else. The defensive line is something I'm not personally, beside Chris Jones, that enthralled with. What's your opinion on the Chiefs defensive line? Um, you know, do you think it's going to create mismatches? Like, where do you think, like, you know, the, you know, the Alex Okafors or, you know, the Michael Dana, Melvin Ingram's of the world. Like Melvin Ingram's getting a lot of credit here for this low budget trade, but <laughs> like, is he that dangerous right now to the Bills? Like in the in the AFC divisional round, is he was just a good piece? Like you've mentioned against the competition that they've got to play against at times. Um, so talk to me about the D line and is there like, are they not getting sacks because teams are getting the ball away quickly, or are they not getting sacks because they're not good? Yeah, they just don't. Like aside from Jones, they just have problems winning their one versus one matchups. You know, they made that big trade for Frank Clark and. Clark was really good during the Super Bowl run. Um, like last year and this year, though, he just seems like out of shape. He doesn't seem like he's the same level of athlete. And that just may be like attrition by age, not necessarily like his like practice ability or, or how his actual body is right now. But he just has on the same level, like spring on the outside. So you're not really afraid of Frank Clark as an edge rusher. I thought the Jerron Reed signing was interesting for him because Reed had a really good season in Seattle. And that was like three years ago. And he hasn't done much at all this year. Um, Okafer has always bounced around the league and he's at, he's 30 years old now. And he isn't this, like, even like a situational pass rusher that's any good in general, but yeah, like, I mean, the, the bills have a good interior, you know, pass protection. Um, like you mentioned with the ability to have Williams there, stick it right guard and having like the tackle experience at in pass protecting the interior. Morris is a great pass blocker. And then they've been able to fill in the left guard spot well too. And so I just think it's like, if you get two, three guys on Clark, if you're able to, or even like one guy can you know, like, if you're just slide two Clark so that way you can at least get, you know, two bodies on, be able to check and look for, you know, blitz as the loops coming through there. But it really kind of starts and ends with Clark as far as the front four pass rush goes. And that's why they have to blitz as much as they do. Makes sense. That's a lot to look out for, Matt. Um, really good knowledge there from you. Um, but it's time. Like I need your keys to the game here for both, both sides and your final score prediction. It's a pretty good one. Uh, unbiased, um, your opinion watching both teams this season. I know you're rooting for a Titans Bills uh, AFC Championship game. Watch the world burn. Watch Bills Bills Mafia Twitter burn. Um, and then you probably have enough Titans fans or people on your feed to know too. So it would just be a total burning burn down of Twitter. <laughs> but all that aside, give us keys to the game in this one, both sides, in what you see happening in Arrowhead. Yeah. So for for Buffalo, and I think this kind of goes along with Kansas City too. It's how the refs are going to call. Um, the coverage in this game. Like, can Buffalo get away with jamming Kelsey at the line of scrimmage? 
Um, can they get away with being able to, you know, get slight tugs on Tyreek Hill as they pass him over in zone coverage? And it kind of goes back to Kansas City, too. Like you mentioned that game last year, you know, the lack of holding calls that the Chiefs secondary had. And so I'm interested to see, like, how much they allow the cornerbacks to be able to use their hands in pass coverage. I do think it, it's better for the Bills if it's an open game, just because their pass offense in Kansas City is so dependent on Travis Kelsey that if they're able to like really jam and limit Kelsey to kind of a game he had similar in Buffalo where he had six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown, like if he's able to be limited in that regard, they don't give him a you know, free first downs and make it kind of more of an open contested game. I think that's like really kind of crucial for Buffalo. The second thing is just how much, like what type of coverages do the Chiefs play? Um, is Josh Allen able to have this pass protection, be able to you know, use his eyes, manipulate zone coverage? When the Chiefs play man coverage, um, how are they, like how long can they cover for? Are they able to stay on top of their routes? And then when things are covered, is Allen going to be able to make the same runs in the open field as previously too? Winning the turnover battle, I know it's cliche that you know, turnovers are like you know, the most important part of a football game. But I think for Buffalo, just going up against this pass, def- pass offense and kind of the demons of pass too, that this needs to be a game where they have to win the turnover differential. And the fourth thing for them is you know, not only like getting out to a lead, but being able to stay in a balance set that even if they fall down by you know 10 or 13, not just go super pass, having be able to invite the blitz, invite you know, turnovers that may happen in the passing game, and be able to really attack you know a, a front seven with the issues that we discussed where they have good defensive tackle play, their linebackers are better than years before. But once you get outside the boxes, you, know, you can really kind of attack them in that regard. Um, for Kansas City, I think it's, you know, how how good is Kelsey and, and Tyreek Hill? And with Tredavious White being out, you know, can, can Tyreek Hill be able to get on top of Levi Wallace and be able to make some big catches? You know, if he has two or three big catches, you know, that's all he needs to really kind of turn a game around. And Hill's one of those guys, too, that even whenever he's not box score great, he still creates a lot of open matchups for everybody else on the field. The second thing is if they're blitz, how often they blitz and their blitzes actually get there, too. And then, you know, the third thing I would say um, would also just be like their screen game. You know, the Bills are going to try to play a lot of nickel. Um, but if you're able to get some of these offensive linemen, they pay a lot of money for out in space. The, pay, the Chiefs are, you know, notoriously one of the best screen teams in football. And so they're able to kind of get consistent yards on the screen game. McKinnon was really good in that regard last week. And be able to break some tackles, be able to create easy yards for them. That's valid just because their run offense hasn't been what they expected it to be with all their offensive line investment. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Matt, you did, you bring up a, a lot of good points there. One thing that didn't happen in week five, Matt Milano didn't play, as you said earlier, one of the best bills, defensive weapons, 15th linebacker in the league per PFF probably plays better and is a crucial part of that bills defense. And they were able to get it done without him. could negate the loss of Trey white. If you were going to have Matt Milano in the game and not have him in one game, it's the chiefs game because you're able to insert him and they can do a lot more in coverage. It helps a, a lot to your aforementioned point about Travis Kelsey. Um, that's going to help them out a ton. They really, really like Matt Milano's physicality. They like his ability to really run with receivers. I mean, they will have him run with certain receivers, especially if they have dual dual players in the slot. Um, and he's just a great pass rusher too. So watch out for the addition of Matt Milano in this one where Chiefs fans are forgetting that the Bills are missing after Trey White and their safety play can't, we can't lose, leave their safety play behind um, the probably their best defensive player in Matt Milano. So he's going to be a pro addition to this. The bills are super healthy. The one thing I don't know if anyone knows if, unless you cover the bills, they're missing Trey white, literally it um, mm-hmm. and a backup offensive lineman and Ike Butker who isn't in their top five and what Rick Bates is better. Um, so 
they're really not missing anybody. So the Bills are coming in fully healthy. The Chiefs are fairly healthy themselves, depending on what happens with some of their their names on the list this week. Um, you know, not they're they're a little banged up, like you mentioned on the O line, but they're they're fine. You know, in most places. But the Bills are very, very, very healthy. You don't want to be missing Trey White, but you're getting Matt Milano in this game and you're getting him back at the right time in terms of how well the defense is playing in general. They held the number one spot for most of the season in yards and in um, in points. At some point, that's not a fluke. You can't throw on the Bills. So we'll see what they're able to do here against the Chiefs. I need a score prediction from you, Matt. It's time. I need you to put all of the, what you said together. Give me a final score prediction and give me what you lock in your AFC championship game. Yeah, so... I mean, because like Mahomes is as good as he is, and I think Josh Allen's. I think we got to the point though where you know Rodgers is the most valuable quarterback just because of their injuries this year in Green Bay and some of the talent limitations that they have there. Um, I think Brady plays for the best offense in football. You consider their skilled players, their offensive line, the running backs they have. I think Mahomes is still the best passer in the NFL. But I think we're getting to the point though where Allen may be the best overall quarterback just when you consider his ability to throw the ball and also his rushing ability and how incredible the rest has been the last five weeks. And so I think the gap between Allen Mahomes is like, it's either five, like 95 to you know uh, 100, like he's 5% worse. But I think we're getting pretty much to the point where when you add in his running ability too, they're about the same level of quarterback. And so I think the Bills just in general are a better team than the Chiefs. Um, the Chiefs' decision to invest in their offensive line has hurt the rest of the roster this year. Like we mentioned before, their pass defense isn't as good as years previous. Their run defense still isn't very good. They don't have this the third, fourth, and fifth pass catchers that they still haven't had since the Super Bowl run with Sammy Watkins. And so, but because of how great Mahomes is, despite the limitations they have as a team, I think Buffalo is going to win, but it's going to be 33 31. It's going to be you know, very close. Um, and this is just kind of like a testament to like their overall roster talent ability compared to Kansas City. And the fact that Allen is, you know, if he's not as good as Mahomes right now, he's just slightly less um, of a player as him whenever you factor in his running ability as well, too. So you're locking in, and obviously we know you're locking in the Titans. So you're locking in a Titans, Bills, in Nashville. Yeah, and I'm gonna say the Titans will win 31, like 24. You know, okay. maybe or maybe like I 31. I, actually, give me 31, 29 because the Titans have to play very stupid football, and the Bengals, I think, you know, playing the playoff game after how they performed down the stretch against Vegas. That the game's probably be kind of like close and stupid, also. So give me okay. 31, 29, Tennessee. And uh, 33-31 Buffalo. Okay. And then who do you have in the finals of the NFC? Green Bay-Tampa? Or do you have other? I had Tampa, and then the bracket got messed up after the Niners won. And, like, the NFC is kind of like rock, paper, scissors, where the Bucks can't beat the Rams, but the Packers beat the Rams, but the Packers can't beat the Bucks. And so I think the Rams are going to beat the Bucks this weekend, the Packers beat the Niners, and then we'll have the Packers beat the Rams in the NFC Championship game. And so the Niners, you know, losing or the Niners winning kind of threw, I think, a big wrench in how the Bucks, you know, typically fare in that conference too. So you have so the I'm Packers gonna, in the Super Bowl. Who do you have winning that Nashville, um, that Nashville game down in next weekend? I think just because of how like the the way Buffalo plays in the interior. And I think AJ Klein's a good enough third linebacker and their safety play. Um, I would say Buffalo win that game like 27-20. And uh, okay. you know, somewhere along those lines. So I'd say we're gonna have a Buffalo Packers Super Bowl this year. And if the Bill and if KC does pull it out this weekend, I'm guessing you're thinking the same KC Packers Super Bowl. I'm guessing. Um, I would pick the Titans over the Chiefs too. Oh, okay, just because of their like their play action attack, how good their okay. front four pass rush is. They have a really deep secondary too. 
Um, and like, they just play them very well earlier this year when both those teams are very healthy. And I just, unless like Derek Henry just isn't himself and we'll find out this week, I think the Titans would beat the Chiefs as well. Interesting. So, so Matt does have the Titans as the second best team in the AFC being able to get through the Bengals, which is a tough, could be a tough test. We'll see, but most likely being able to get through KC if they, if that happens. So, mm-hmm. so Matt does have as the Titans as the second best team in the AFC and the Packers as the number one seed out of the NFC. Uh, so we'll see how all that plays in Matt. We'll keep in touch with all of those results and all those predictions. I think they're pretty good ones there on the fold and there's no one else. If nothing else, the bills have one of the best quarterbacks in the league at his ability to stay focused and lead a football team intangibles. They're things you couldn't really give him in the pre-draft process that he's t- taken time to work at his craft and his players love him. Like it's not a Kirk Cousins situation. It's not one of those. He's corny. His players absolutely love it. He's fiery. He has this motivator about him that was just unrateable by draft scouts. And maybe one of their biggest misses isn't with his arm talent or, or his um, his uh, inaccuracy. The biggest thing was they were not able to, how players gravitate to him, to how the community gravitates to him, how he is able to lead a football team, both his offensive weapons and his defensive players love playing for him. That could matter starting this weekend, as we've seen deep down in the stretch. He feels chapped that that Lamar Jackson's in the Pro Bowl over him. He can tell you whatever he wants. He's the fourth best quarterback in the AFC per voting. Like, that's a joke to him. Um, so we've already seen him take out his redemption tour um, starting this weekend against New England. But we'll see it up in this upcoming weekend. I think that redemption tour continues. You see, you've seen similar paths to last year's Buccaneers team with the, the way that their schedule and season went. And you've seen similar progressions in a quarterback like we saw Patty Mahomes the year he won the Super Bowl and finally being able to get over the hump to, to go to the bowl. I think the Bills are in position to, to show that that's possible. Um, and they're down to beat one last final stretch. That final stretch for the Bills is they haven't won a road playoff games in eight tries. Um, they've been good at home. 12-1 um, and one historically at in Buffalo in the playoffs. Um, they've been very good at home. Um, it's tough. Even we complain and, and complain about the weather, the bills win at home in the playoffs specifically other teams struggle when they come here, as we saw from Mac Jones and others. So Matt, we really appreciate having you on your kind words about Josh Allen an honorary, um, bills mafia member. We're going to try to get Matt up here in two years from now, um, to get up here, experience a cold weather game per his decision. Um, to, to find a cold weather game, maybe a late clinching scenario game or a game, maybe a playoff game in a couple of years. Maybe they'll play the Texans again. I mean, they did this year, but maybe at some point, man, that might be interesting um, if that happens in a couple of years. Um, I don't I don't believe it would because it would be in Houston, but um, maybe maybe a playoff game, Matt. Um, who knows? I know. Who knows? I have a, I have a Carhartt jacket. And okay. Anson, I think that should be enough to handle, you know, 15 degrees, you know, I don't know if they'd all be from uh, down here in Texas, but yeah, I don't like the cold at all, but I want to see it in person and uh, really be okay. able to get the full you know, Buffalo experience one day. Underrated point in Buffalo is even in October, November, you can still get fifties and sixties here. That so, nice. so you got to really push it into December if you really want the experience. Um, we got maybe get you to a Patriots game, Mike. That's what we need to get, Matt. What you pick a game for Matt. Mike, which game you thinking? Like who, no, who gotta, what's the perfect get, situation? We got to get a Patriots game. Okay. All right. if, it's, if it's Patriots in October, I'd still take it. We, we can do Patriots bills in two years from now. 
I think they'll make them based on their new trajectory of the Patriots being semi decent again. I think that they'll get the December's continuing in in, the, in these in these matchups. So hopefully you'll get the best of both Bills Patriots in two years with a developing Mac Jones and all these past weapons that they have, <laughs> Jameson Williams, whoever whoever that they have there. Um, hopefully it'll be a really good game, Matt, and we appreciate you being uh, being kind to Bills Mafia. Um, but it's always a pleasure to have you on, seriously, man. And um, thanks again for your analysis of this breakdown. Mike, leave us with some final words. Just excited. This is going to be a big one on Sunday evening. Uh, this is what you wait for the entire season. We've been talking it up since last year ended. We, Kansas City, that's the big bugaboo for, for the Bills. That's who they have to get past to show that they're one of the premier teams in the NFL we're at the point right now where it was kind of like with uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. You know these two teams are going to be facing off for, for years to come, but you don't want to be on that Peyton Manning side where you continuously come up short. The Bills need to get a win here or else the talk continues for another year that you can't beat Kansas City when it matters. So we, we both know that the offenses are a lead in this game. The question is, will either defense come up big and, and win a team a game? So – uh, I think it can go either way. I'm not going to make my pick today, but uh, I'm I'm excited for this one. I'll, I'll say that. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you jumping in there for final words. But from the Crowd Assist podcast, Kevin Misery, Mike Bunt, Matt Weston. Actually, Matt, tell us where we can find your stuff. Like, if people just want to see your quarterback stuff or your you know Texans in general, like what what do you have going on? I haven't asked you that. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Matt Double Underscore Weston. So it's there's two underscores in there. Um, I posted some like Josh Allen clips and some Patrick, like some Kansas City clips as well too this week that you can check out. I should have a playoff preview for Saturday morning, hopefully like six o'clock in the morning. If you want something to read before the games get going, and I should have like a like a, a ten things, like just ten things I enjoyed about the playoff round the week before. Hopefully next Wednesday as well too, kind of breaking out some of the things I enjoy about the divisional round. So you have all that playoff stuff you can read and listen to. And we also will do a playoff preview podcast. At the podcast we do for a Battle Red blog called Battle Red Radio. And you search for Houston Texans podcast, it should be there somewhere. And is all that on Battle Red? Like all your 10 things, all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, it'll all be there too. Awesome. So go out there and check it. It's good stuff, guys. He um, really does break down. I, I found so many Mac Jones clips, even like so, so much good stuff over <laughs> there to, to watch for from Matt. So everyone, you know, take off, take over, go over there and take up, check out his stuff. He does post a nice, a lot of nice, unbiased stuff and his very kind to Josh Allen. And you always have been um, for, you know, even prior to, to his rebirth and, and rise to the top. So Matt, we appreciate you from the crowd assist podcast, Picasso's pizza brought to you by outlet Lakers. I'm Kevin Misery, Mike Bunt, Matt West, and our special guest divisional round guest. Um, everybody have a great night and we'll catch you Sunday for pregame. So everyone uh, enjoy it. Bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Throw your hands up and shout. Throw your head back and shout. Come on now, the bills are making it happen now. Is it all part of the equation or what? It is. It definitely is. It all ties in. The bills make me wanna shout.